we have this concept in this country of, and in many countries, of informed consent as the patient. The idea is that you cannot be treated by a doctor or given a treatment unless you consent to it and you know what's happening to you. There was no informed consent in this episode. The Jedi treated him just, and frankly, it was like talking to the Chancellor when they talked to him and talking to the Jedi. No one in the episode really cares about fives. And really the only one who cares about fives is probably at the end of the next episode with Anakin, where they're trying to talk him down, trying to figure out what's going on with fives before he's killed. And my analysis is now, again, this is clear about civil rights in the medical area, which is a big one. I don't think that clone troopers are any different than droids. So it's kind of depressing going back and watching episodes of this season. It's not a happy way to end for fives. But at the same time, this is a show written for seven-year-olds tackling these radically complex issues. Yeah. <laughs> and God bless them, uh, the writers and creative team, for treating seven-year-olds with maturity and respect. So hopefully their parents can say, Savory's wrong. So I get a drink. So, uh, Professor, can you help us understand secret marriages, and whether Padme and Adam uh, had something healthy. Um, <laughs> 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 Emotionally, I can't really see you, but, um, but the, from a legal aspect, the trick is to keep the marriage certificate non-public, because as many of you know, if you're married, when you get married, you file the marriage certificate with the county clerk, and that is a public record. Any nosy neighbor can go and pull the record from the county clerk and see your So the trick is to figure out a way to keep that marriage certificate uh, secret. And most couples, by the way, want the marriage certificate because that legal recognition of the government's approval of your marriage is what entitles you to the benefits of marriage, like inheritance upon death, custody of children, that sort of thing. Um, but they're only, um, it's not likely that they can keep it secret. There's only two jurisdictions in the United States that allow for kind of secret marriages. The first one is right here in California. Um, you can, under California Family Code Section 500, you can file for a confidential marriage. And a confidential marriage allows you to file uh, a marriage certificate um, it's kind of a non-public file at the county clerk's office that the public can't get to without a um, court order. The problem is, is the law is really specific. Uh, the case law that interprets this says that you have to be cohabitated as spouses before you get the marriage certificate. And Anakin and Padme weren't, um, they, the whole point was that they didn't want anyone to know that they were spouses, so they were obviously not doing that, so they couldn't probably take advantage of Section 500 confidential marriage. Um, anyone from Michigan No one? Um, the other place is Michigan. Um, they have a statute 551.201 that allows for the issuance of a marriage license without publicity. And it's a little old-fashioned. It's for situations where the um, where the couple wants to avoid the stigma of a child being uh, conceived before the couple is married. So the statute allows a probate judge to secretly marry the couple uh, in the judge's chambers, and then the judge just puts the marriage certificate in her own files, and the county clerk never even sees it. No one knows about it. Um, but again, this is just for situations where there are extraordinary circumstances. Um, and Anakin and Padme weren't pregnant with um, their children at the time they were married, so they couldn't keep this either. But, so they probably couldn't keep their marriage certificates either. But I mean, as you're thinking about this, 
If you were planning like a super secret forbidden marriage, would 50% of your guest list be secret you? Secret guys keep secrets. That's not a thing. Um, so we'll take it at face value, but I think their conduct is maybe a little contrary to their safe intent. Um, but <laughs> Well, let's talk about desertion. And Bethany, can you help us here understanding the deserter? Sure. Uh, desertion is illegal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, desertion can be really be one of two things. You either leave service or leave the army with no intent of returning us desertion. There's also leaving your place of duty in order to avoid a hazardous assignment or task. Um, and that's also considered desertion. This is generally punishable by Where 
children would leave their homes and join and train as warrior monks. So there are some similarities to uh, the Jedi. Now, let's say that you are a child and you want to go and join the Jedi. Um, could you? You know, if we look at the law, actually, the law is located that way. You know, in terms of as a parent, you prevent your child from going, which is probably the type of situation that would come up. Um, what we have is that if, if you were a child and wanted to leave your family, could you join this Jedi Order? What we're talking about essentially is what's known as emancipation of the mind. There are very limited circumstances in which a minor can be emancipated, which means that they can leave their home, leave their parents. Um, they can get married if they have permission from their parents to court. They can join the military, again, if they get uh, permission from the parents and the military accepts them. Or they can get a court order, and that requires them to be 14 years old. They don't want to live with their parents, and their parents are okay with that. Um, they can handle their own money, and they have a way to make money. Um, so in that case, you know, emancipation could be good for you. Now, the closest similarities we have in real life are that we don't have children with poor sensitive abilities, again, that we know of. But we have children who have abilities where they can make money, famous children, child stars, music stars, movie stars, TV stars. That's the situation in which this would come up, and it has, in fact, come up uh, over the years. We've had, back in the 80s, uh, Tiffany, you know, sued for emancipation and lost. Uh, but there are situations where people sue for emancipation and won. So the, the legal system isn't quite ready to accept Jedi, but they are <laughs> prepared to recognize limited situations where children could have some rights. So let's uh, talk about childhood with danger. <laughs> 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 let's start as a teenager and on a sudden she's a general and ordering troopers to their deaths. Uh, any issues with that? <laughs> so, uh, I guess the second step of you know, being this Jedi and running off a joining order, yes, you get to participate in these grand adventures, but some of these adventures are a little risky, uh, a little dangerous. Under California law, uh, you can be guilty of child endangerment if you willfully cause or permit the child to suffer injury, or if you willfully cause or permit the child to be placed in a situation where his or her personal health is named. That's California Penal Code, Section 273A. And what's interesting also is that the child doesn't actually have to be injured. If they are put in, at risk of injury, that's enough. That's what the law is worried about. So let's take that legal standard and apply that to Star Wars, you know, <laughs> Jedi running around and doing all sorts of um, fun, but also crazy risky you know, as a child, the child this is great, but now, you know, in my 40s and with my kids, I think there's no way in heck I would be doing this. So you have children running around with lightsabers, uh, you know, they're engaging in close quarters combat, often with people that want to hurt them. I think the Jedi Order, if they were based in real life, would probably have a slew of lawsuits for child Good point. 
point, the law really, the way the law works with regard to personal responsibility is the younger you are, the more that responsibility is pushed on your parents. You have to get your parents' permission. The closer you get to 18, the law recognizes that you have more and more rights. So if you want to be a Jedi and your parents don't want you to, you probably ought to wait until you're age of majority. Judge Nahara, let's uh, talk about some space tenants. All right, let's do that. How does, specifically, let's talk about Hondo Anaka, because there's, there are a lot of space pirates in the Star Wars universe. But, you know, it's interesting. Hondo started out life as almost a second-string villain, and then he evolved into one of the most complex characters, I think, in the Star Wars universe. His story arc, I guess you'd call it, is almost the exact opposite of Anakin's. Anakin started out as a golden boy who just fell, and as fast as he fell is how is as fast as Hondo rose. Hondo started out as a despicable, evil villain, and over the course of the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, he managed to redeem himself to the point where Disney is now allowing him to uh, post a ride. <laughs>
But when you complete a robbery on a moving vessel, guess what? That's a robbery in the first degree. <laughs> so now we're up another nine years out into all of the other chart, all of the other times Hondo's also looking at. Well, then we get to one of the most serious charges, and that's the question of did he intend to kill those young And I propose to you that yes, yes he did. And it's very clear in the statements that he made. He told his lieutenant, find the kids and bring them to me dead or alive. All that matters is that you find them and bring me their crystals. If anything, not anyone, but anything gets in the way, kill it. Now, attempted a murder is the unlawful killing of a human being with malice forethought. And malice forethought is expressed when there is manifested a deliberate intention to unlawfully take a life. And in this case, it's completely manifested expressly, so there isn't even any implication there. He's saying, find the kids and bring, and bring me the crystals, dead or alive. All that matters is that you find them and bring me their crystals. If anything gets in the way, kill it. So at the point where the lieutenant, his lieutenant acting on his orders, tells him, tells Pietro, hand over the crystal, and Pietro says, over my dead body, and the lieutenant says, that can be arranged. <laughs> We've got a clear case of attempted murder, and since you think they're not going to let the Jedi know they stole these tiger crystals, they're going to kill all of those children. Well, you think after they're blown out of the hull, because I know when that happened, I'm breathing a sigh of relief, thinking this is over. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Unfortunately, when Padawantano got blown out with them, they decided to kidnap her. Now, kidnapping is bad enough, but there's a little exchange between uh, Hondo and uh, uh, Ahsoka that is kind of disturbing. Because he tells her, well, I'm going to human trafficking, basically. <laughs> I am going to sell you to somebody. Now, first of all, human trafficking, right there, we're talking upwards of 12 years. But when you do it for a salacious purpose, and there are people under 18 in the audience, so we're not going to go into the details, but it was very clear between the lines that he was not selling her to be a nanny or a tutor but he was a Jedi. It was very clear by the way and his, his expressions that Hanna was going to sell her for some very salacious purposes. And when you talk about that kind of thing, that adds another 20 years. And understand, Padawan Hanna was 14. Okay, it doesn't get any worse than that. <laughs> so basically, you're talking about a truly despicable person who's planning to sell a 14-year-old into a kind of salacious slavery after committing a boatload of crimes that could be on any barroom course, <laughs> and somehow goes from that to redeeming himself in a few years from this depraved human being to actually almost a hero. That is the magic. Star Trek, okay? He wants to impress his boss, 
Count Dooku, as we all know, with this new weapon, the defoliator. What the defoliator would do is it would wipe out everything that's alive and yet live, leave things like the droids and the separatists around. And so George Takei playing Lutter says the following. That's a new weapon of my own design. Kind of sloppy destruction. A weapon that can destroy organic matter, but leave machines unharmed. And so, uh, and so he does plan to test this weapon on the harmless Lerman. And the Lerman are those, they're kind of the cross between Ewoks and Romanchichis. <laughs> I think they only appeared in the baby Christmas episode. Right? They, 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 there was no uh, Endor sequel with the Lerman. So the question is that did this violate our conception of international law? And so let's go through that. So we have the Fourth Geneva Convention, which first defines protected persons. And if you've seen the episode, the first thing General Dirk says is that congratulations, you're under separatist control and protection. So yes, by that, Article 4 applies to learning. So the next question is, is that this plan, would it violate Article 32. Article 32 says you can't take any, you can't do anything that will lead to the suffering or extermination of someone. Clearly that's the plan here because he's hoping to get promoted. What better way to get promoted than to wipe out those Ewoki things? Um, and secondly, it also, Article 32 applies to medical or scientific experiments that really aren't necessary. It brings back what the Nazis did during World War II, the experimentation. So, uh, Mr. General Durd is, you know, living up to some pretty pretty high standards in his behavior in this episode. So the, the answer to the question is yes. Uh, if we go to the next slide, there's no doubt that it violates the Geneva Convention in at least two ways. First, it would cause the extermination of those things. And then second, it was a planned experiment. The whole purpose of this was to see if the weapon worked, because if it did, he would get promoted. So yes, uh, it would violate the Geneva Convention. I would point out that Basically everything in Star Wars violates the Geneva Convention. This topic was kind of like the middle square in bingo, you know, it's kind of obvious what the answer would be. But yes, thinking like the Death Star, for example, would violate the Geneva Convention. Uh, I couldn't clear it. But yes, it would. Well, let's talk about Rico and Darth Maul. Darth Maul and his brother slash apprentice and all these people they're trying to hire from other people and everything like that. 
And I was trying to figure out how you could define them aside from the criminal acts. I mean, they're all these fans of money. Uh, they all hate Obi-Wan Kenobi. So we've got an I hate Obi-Wan Kenobi fan club there. That's the end of that. And by the way, if you are trying to not, you know, get yourself complicit in Rico and all of these things, like, you don't say, we're going to be lords, crime lords. <laughs> that was terrible in discovery of the So in that, here you have a 
you know, in hindsight, it's easy for us to sit in judgment because we're not there, of course, but that is one of the more, as considered by the law, more black and white situations in which the order is illegal. It is now the soldier's duty really not to follow that. Uh, the American military system is one, one of the few that actually recognizes some individuality that people have the, not just the right, but also the duty to at some point question orders. Now, a very interesting uh, case study is the German military system. Now, we're looking at the system now rooted in history. When we look at the history of Germany, as we know, the country fought two world wars. There were numerous atrocities uh, attributed to the German military. The German military started with a legal system which required absolute obedience. And it was believed that this is the only way to run an efficient military. And you know, it can be argued that that was correct. They were very efficient. However, the downside is that you can also commit tremendous atrocities in that situation. Because what you're doing is you're now removing the judgment of the individual and saying you have to follow orders no matter what. Well, it's what's fascinating is when you look at where we are now, under current military, German military law, uh, a military order is not binding if it is not of any use or service or cannot re be reasonably uh, executed. And in fact, when German soldiers swear their oaths to Germany, the only requirement is that they can defend the motherland from attack. They cannot actually go out and conquer or attack other countries anymore, again, because of their history. And one of the most fascinating um, points here is that new German soldiers, they swear their foes to defend Germany at the Benderblock, a Berlin building where participants of the failed attempt to assassinate Hitler were executed in 1944. Today, that building is a museum to German resistance. And every year, it's the place where new German soldiers are traditionally sworn to their duties. So what we have is a situation where new soldiers are sworn military obedience, not in a place that symbolizes military obedience, but in a place that symbolizes military resistance. So they have gone completely 180, the pendulum has swung all the way to the other side where they now recognize we have to impart this judgment upon the individual. We have to give them the right, the duty to question them. Now let's talk about Yodiger and dead people. Was Yoda involuntarily confined, well, hospitalized for a procedure he volunteered for? Okay. <laughs> let's put some context to this. Yoda is clearly, clearly troubled. And he's been troubled ever since he heard that Cyclopeus someone that he viewed as an enemy was, was the individual behind the creation of the clones. And as he put it, our enemy created an army for us. And then he really did something very, very out of character. And out of character for the Jedis as well. He suggested that they enter into a conspiracy to hide things from the public. Basically, he wants, and they do, lie about the war and the war effort because they are afraid that if people knew the truth, they would lose faith in the war, and there would be there would be no support for it. He says we need to keep support for the war, so we're going to enter into conspiracy to lie. 
Now, in recent history, and in fact, history for the last hundred years, every time it's shown a government lies to their people about to, to keep support for an unpopular war, it never ends well. In this case, Yoda is starting to kind of, I don't want to say lose it, but he's just, he's very troubled by this. He's become a troubled soul. So he starts hearing voices of someone that he trusts. He starts hearing the voices of Qui-Gon Jinn. And he's thinking, okay, um, at first he thinks maybe something's going on here. Maybe we're wrong about how we can do the Force. Maybe you don't, when you die, don't need the living Force. Maybe he's still there. But when none of the other Jedi's can hear him, he's thinking, maybe I'm losing my mind. <laughs> so he voluntarily commits himself. And he goes to the hospital, and they start to try to determine if there's something wrong with him. Well, in the course of being hospitalized, he determines, well, you know what? Maybe I'm going to listen to this voice. Maybe I'm going to follow it. At which point, Mace Windu and the Jedi Council decides that he is it. And they turn this voluntary commitment into an involuntary commitment. Now, when this happens, Welfare and Institutions Code 5150 comes into play. And 5150 says that if an individual is, appears to be as a result of a mental health disorder, a danger to himself or others, or is gravely disabled, then he can be involuntarily committed. And after 72 hours, they can ask to be up it. Well, let's look at the first element of that. Is he suffering from a mental disease? Possibly he's suffering from a delusional disorder, because he's, he's basically thinking he's talking to dead people and that they're actually answering him. On the other hand, he's now hearing voices that are telling him to do something, and he's going to do that. That sounds like classic schizophrenia. <laughs> but let's look at there are two elements to that, because we don't just commit everyone who has a mental disease. There has to be evidence that he's been a danger to himself, a danger to others, or that he's somehow gravely disabled. And he's exhibited none of those, those characteristics. In fact, quite the opposite. He's been behaving extremely responsibly. And during the 72 hours that they've been holding him, he hasn't exhibited any of those behaviors. Now, under Welfare and Institutions Code 5170.7, he can request to be released and go off to follow Qui-Gon Jinn, and they can't stop him. But they, because no one has shown that he's been a danger to himself or others. They're not doing that. At which point, when those guards are ordered to guard that door, Yoda has now become the victim of false imprisonment by the Jedi Council. They will be prosecuted for that. So, first, let's talk about impersonation of a cadet. And I'm going to ask everyone, we got 10 minutes, so let's rock and roll. All right, so. Uh, in this episode, Death Trap Season 2, Boba Fett impersonates a clone cadet called Lucky, so he can go on this cadet tour of the Star Destroyer and get revenge on Mace Windu. Remember, Mace Windu cut off his dad's head, so he had a pretty good reason to want to get revenge. Uh, he does not end up killing Mace Windu, but he does end up destroying the Star Destroyer as well as killing many clones on the ship. Quick footnote. You know, whenever something like this happens, there's going to be risk management's going to get called. Things are going to happen. You know, it's too bad, but they did cancel the, you know, bringing it back home to work there. It's unfortunate. But that's going to happen if something like this happens. I mean, it's at least you can expect Oh, so anyway, so back to the score. So the crimes. Um, sure, he can be charged with attempted murder of Mace Windu, destruction of the clones, and the Star Destroyer. What about just impersonating a cadet? 
there's some questions. There's a Supreme Court case, U.S. versus Alvarez, which had to do with the stolen Ballarat. That was where a guy was wearing these medals saying, I won these medals, I was a great war hero, and he wasn't. That was a felony. The Supreme Court said no. First Amendment protects that. So is what he's doing like that? We still on the books have many laws saying you can't impersonate a police officer. Please don't come out of this thinking you can. Um, <laughs> there's a line between conduct and speech, but Alvarez did make it somewhat of a fuzzy, fuzzier area. I think the easiest crime to charge him with here is espionage. He's impersonating someone to do these bad things, and that's why that's up there. Uh, I was not a fan of Last Jedi. I'll be clear about that. This movie I would watch with a mobile I would definitely watch that one. So I think espionage would be the way to go in this case. Excellent. Well, let's pivot to the murder for hire. And Bethany, can you help us follow up on trying to call this one here? Yes, we can do this very quick. Uh, don't hire people to murder people. And then if you do, especially don't think about it while crossing state lines. <laughs> 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 uh, Judge Nahara, let's talk about defending uh, Tuck and anyone who follows Order 66. Okay, we're going to ask. We're going <laughs> to breeze through this. There's a thing in the law called mens rea. And it goes back to the very beginning of back to the, to, back to the Rosetta Stone and the law of Hammurabi. And basically what the Latin is actus non factum ram missi mens rea, which translates to there can be no crime, large or small, without an evil mind. That, and we have that in California Penal Code today, Penal Code 20, as basically in every crime or public offense, there must be a joint operation or of act and intent or criminal negligence. Now, in this case, there's two schools of thought as to what caused the clones to, to behave the way they did and kill all the Jedi. In the Clone Wars, they discussed the clone, that the clones were DNA encoded so that if any of the Jedis went rogue, there would be a way to stop the rogue Jedi. And what happened in, in the case of, of Chuck was that his chip deteriorated. And when it deteriorated, it stopped inhibiting that particular genetic encoding, and as a result, he killed General Tablar, General Chip. On the other hand, in, if, you, if you watch uh, Revenge of the Sith, you see the Emperor say, I am now deciding one of one of the, the uh, home troopers in these issues with Matt to execute Order 66. It implies that somehow the chip is organic and is giving that that order to them, making them do it. Bottom line is, in either case, whatever it is, they are being ordered to do it. Therefore, there is no mens rea, so they have an absolute defense against any charges for their behavior. Well, let's talk about malfunctioning chips. Okay. Okay, let's, yeah, let's talk about these. Bottom line is, when Psycho-Dia's contracted Camones to uh, Kaminoans to, to clone Django Fett, he also basically didn't conspire with them, but he basically sold them this bill of goods that if any of the Jedi so rogue, we must have this organic chip in them so that we can uh, force them to basically take out the rogue Jedi. Now, in the law, we have this, this theory or this legal doctrine called consumer products liability. And it's triggered when an arguably dangerous or product is defective or causes injury. When that happens, the manufacturer or seller is liable for the inherently dangerous product. 
And in some cases, he's liable under a theory of strict liability, and in other cases, he's liable under a theory of negligence. Now, my conclusion is that in this case, he is the Kamoans are in fact liable under a theory of strict liability. Strict liability is the legal doctrine that holds that a manufacturer is responsible. If you manufacture something that is inherently dangerous, like an explosive, or C4, or a killing machine, like a clone, then even if you're not negligent in the way you do it, and something goes wrong, you're liable. That's strict liability. On the other hand, so it would seem that Tibli would have an absolute sun-dun case. However, let's think about this. What are the damages? In this case, those chips were designed to do exactly what they did to General Tibli. They, they are general to block. They were designed to kill Jedi. They, just, they worked perfectly. The only issue is they worked a year or two earlier than they were supposed to. <laughs> so what are the damages for her dying a year before she should have? And that is the, that's the problem with uh, what seems like a cut and dry theory can sometimes be not quite as simple as it seems. Okay, we have four minutes for three topics. <laughs> Speaking of product liability, all these situations from the previous seasons of the Clone Wars, but how many people were in celebration in this period? Yeah, we saw the clip of Ahsoka um, at, the, at the Clone Wars panel, just looking all like puppy and determined, like Ahsoka. And then she like drives over a bottomless pit because Star Wars. And um, the, the console kind of crackles and her thruster goes out, she's plunged into peril. Um, and this is another classic example of products liability, automotive products liability. Um, if we were to represent Ahsoka, we need to know a little bit more about why her scooter malfunctioned, but if it was because of a manufacturing defect, like something that happened at the manufacturer or the retailer, she could recover money damages for that. But if it was a defective design, like this type of scooter was not able to do that kind of maneuver over a bottomless pit, um, then this is like type, that type of case like the Ford Pinto or the GM ignition switches or the Takata airbags. Huge liability exposure, huge recalls. Ahsoka's going to vindicate the rights of consumers to the galaxy wide. It's a Star Wars story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so let's talk about the problem of Ahsoka. <laughs> Dooku, that's 
that's a little weird. <laughs> that guys? But whatever you should not do under any circumstances is send all the Jedi in to arrest him, because that looks like a military coup. You need to uh, have the Judiciary Committee open an impeachment proceeding, look at all the evidence, vote,